Good morning. Well, I trust you had a great Thanksgiving. I know that I did. My name is LJ. I, um, Jaworski is my last name. And I am one of the pastors here on staff. Um, my area of ministry is missions, local and global missions. So you might maybe just slightly see a little bit, bit of this in the message this morning. Would you pray with me as we um, go to God's word, please? Father, I just... Pray, Father, um, for the, the power of your spirit right now. Father, as, um, as I attempt to deliver this, this uh, message, I pray, God, that it would be a message of encouragement, um, one that people could take home a little bit more of you and feel a little bit closer to you. Um, as a result. And so I just pray, God, you would use me in some small way to minister to those who are here today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the title of the message this morning is The Promise of Witness, and we're looking at Acts 1, 6 through 8. Thanksgiving is a unique holiday that offers us the opportunity to pause and count our blessings. Recently, a friend shared this tidbit of history with me. It is believed that the first Thanksgiving celebration happened in 1619 at the Berkeley Plantation right here in Virginia. This is a year before the most famous 1620 Plymouth, Massachusetts event. The Plantation website notes that their Thanksgiving festival dates back to 1619, when Captain John Woodleaf and his crew of 35 men landed on the shores of the James River. Although technically Thanksgiving is not a Christian holiday, being thankful is certainly a biblical theme. I was surprised to learn from one of our missions partners this week that in some regions in China, Christian Chinese celebrate Thanksgiving as a Christian holiday. What a great opportunity to have a feast and to be thankful to God for his great goodness. For me, it's a time to pause, to spend time with friends, eat some of my favorite foods that I'll only have once a year, and just have gratitude to God. So today, we're going to draw a line from a prominent New Testament text about mission to our sense of gratitude. We'll see how Jesus answers a question with a promise, and we'll learn more about the privilege we have to witness. Corey encouraged us last week, as we concluded our sermon series on Ruth, that we all have a story that fits into a bigger story of what God is doing to redeem all things. My prayer is that today you will be able to catch a glimpse of God's heart for those both near and far as well as discern what part we can play in this larger story. Our text is Luke's version of the Great Commission. I know many of you know this Matthean verse that says, go into all the world and, preach and make disciples of all nations. Today we turn to the Acts of the Apostles. Luke has a missions passage in Acts 1, 6 through 8. Hear it again. The disciples ask a question. 
And Jesus answers with a promise. This is in your bulletin, but it's slightly different. I'm going to read a slightly different translation. Hear God's word. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's briefly look at the context and kind of set the stage for what was going on during this time period. The disciples' hopes had been revived by the resurrection after the devastation of the crucifixion. Now they want to know if the moment the prophets spoke about, spoke about so long ago is finally here, when Israel will become a renewed political power. This is it, right, Jesus? Jesus deflects their question and instead invites them to imagine and participate in a different kind of kingdom. Jesus describes the how and the where of the kingdom. It's a kingdom greater than they can imagine. It's bigger than Israel. It encompasses the whole world. And the way that this becomes a reality is their spirit-empowered witness. The book of Acts follows this Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond sequence. The church begins in Jerusalem, and if we look at Acts 1 through 7, it's represented there, and ventures out in preaching mission to the surrounding area, and then there is ministry in Samaria and beyond, Acts 8 through 10, and finally we read about Paul's missionary ventures to the Gentiles throughout the Mediterranean regions in Acts 11 and beyond. So think with me of concentric circles emanating from Jerusalem as the epicenter. The statement that I mentioned earlier, the disciples ask a question and Jesus answers with a promise, is a theme that was presented in a lecture in Stockholm by a gentleman by the name of Leslie Newbiggin, and this happened in 1979. Newbiggin served as a missionary in South India for 36 years and left a legacy of worldwide, of the, to the worldwide church as an ecumenical statesman, bishop of South India, parish pastor in England, and a missiologist theologian. Born in England and ordained by the Church of Scotland in 1936, he served as a missionary for many years in India. Newbiggin was a prolific author and speaker and is thought to be the founding missional thinker. We've heard that term missional several times. This is where it stems back to. I would like you to listen to a quote by Newbiggin from that 1979 lecture. Witness is not a burden laid upon the church. It is not part of the law. It is gospel, gift, promise. We misinterpret the whole thrust of the New Testament when we convert this into a law, a burden laid upon the consciences of Christians. 
There is a profound inner necessity which leads Christians to bear witness of Jesus and Paul's letters. But neither Paul nor any of the other New Testament writers can be found laying the duty of witness as a burden upon the consciences of the readers. Failure to observe this point, I think, has had grievous consequences for the life of the church. What is given here is not a command, but a promise. Jesus tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus' words are a promise. It is a promise of a gift, an action of pure grace. It is not a new law. No, it is a promise of divine resources enabling us to show and share the grace of Christ to others. The Spirit is a foretaste of the kingdom, like a deposit or an appetizer or the first fruits. He assures us that the kingdom is a reality and that there is going to be a harvest, an even greater reality of God's love, peace, and joy. And we point others to this reality. In looking at Acts 1, there are three themes that I see emerging. One is the calling to do mission as a witness. The second is the enabling ministry or the power of the Spirit. And the third theme here is just, it's simply a matter of geography. Where are the, the disciples going to serve as witnesses? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. The first theme is to do mission as a witness. Theologian Karl Barth describes the time between the Ascension and Pentecost as a significant pause. Between the mighty acts of God, a pause in which the church, church's task is to wait and pray. He notes their waiting is not empty-handed, they wait in hope as those who know that their master has been taken up where he is exalted to the right hand of God. After the ascension, when Christians speak of God, they must also speak of Christ. For Christ now reigns with God. The followers of Christ know that the one who served, taught, and loved them now rules for them. But this knowledge is no smug gnosis of the privileged first few. It is a knowledge which demands a witness. When I think of witnessing, I think of telling somebody about something really good. For me, as simple as this may seem, I love to brag about a new item that I have just purchased and got at a great deal. So if you come up to me and say, gee, I really like your sweater. I then say to you, do you know how much I got this sweater for? And then I can tell you the bargain, because it doesn't matter how beautiful the sweater is, I have to get it at, at a bargain price. The birth of a baby, there's an opportunity um, for, for witness that you want to share about. Can you remember good news that you wanted to share with someone else? Well, I think of, I don't know if you're a Facebook friend, you know, if, you're, if you like Facebook, I do. 
And I love seeing announcements of engagements or births or weddings or anniversaries, or in my, ca in my case in particular, maybe getting two fluffy fuzzy kittens that consume all my pictures on Facebook now. We recently received a newsletter from the University of Richmond and InterVarsity staff there. Third has had a long partnership with the University of Richmond and InterVarsity. And I wanted to share with you what um, Sarah said in this letter because I thought it was really apropos to what we're talking about this morning. The title of her newsletter was Witness and Withness. It seems that they had a new um, student outreach. They met over 500 students and had fun events that they had hosted. And this is a quote from Sarah that I wanted you to hear. Five-minute introductions at a soda float social are the beginning of changed, changed stories. How, you ask? Community building is the heartbeat of withness that so often leads us to Jesus. We were able to follow up with over 75 students and invite them to join small groups where they encounter God and grow in love for him, his word, and his people of all ethnicities and cultures. The second theme that I see is the enabling of ministry or power through the spirit. Our text is showing us we are given a job to do and we will have the power with which to do it. The time between Easter and the restoration of the kingdom is a gracious interim for witness. I think of people who have been empowered, I think, by the Spirit to do things. And I think of our missions partners in particular. And here I have an opportunity to give a, um, a few little stories and plugs for them. The person I think of is Myrna McLaughlin. I don't know if you know Myrna, but Myrna, um, she had a long and satisfying career as a nurse in Richmond. She was part of establishing Crossover Clinic. And then, around 2000, she started a new ministry. So after a long, satisfying career as a nurse, Myrna established least of these ministries to bring health and hope to people of the world. For the past 18 years, since retirement, she has traveled to rural Zimbabwe, where the residents suffer from severe problems, food shortage, lack of employment, or an inadequate transportation, and least of these ministries provides medication, especially to the needy elderly suffering from hypertension, diabetes, and epilepsy. They teach first aid to rural villagers, enabling them to assist their neighbors who live far from medical help. Importantly, they preach the good news of Jesus Christ and personally bring a message to these people that they are not forgotten by God. Another missions partner that I think of when I think of the power of the Holy Spirit is, and there are many, 
So I am not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to highlight a few. But, you know, if you wanted to read through them, you could find these two local global booklets that are out in this hall down here and grab them and read about them, pray for them on a regular basis. I really encourage you to do that. So I apologize if I am not um, highlighting one of your favorites, but you never know. Maybe down the line I will. But Jeanette um, Brannon has started um, an organization called Together for Tanzania. The interesting thing is that Jeanette felt a calling as a teenager to be a missionary in Africa. Decades later, a missions trip to Tanzania in 2008 changed her life and the lives of many children and adults in Tanzania. God opened doors never imagined to form a volunteer organization that would provide education, medical, and missional support to people throughout the country. I also think about ICM, International Cooperating Ministries, another one of our mission's partners. Do you know their vision statement is this, a healthy church within walking distance of everyone in the world. That's quite a mission statement. When we published the booklets that I just mentioned, I know that this material is now dated, but at that point they had built over 7,000 churches in 86 countries and have translated a complete Bible survey in 43 languages. This has resulted in more than 33,000 new church plants and more than a million people discipled to reach their community for Christ. Several of us are familiar with the names of the ICM staff, Dos Roser, or Janice Allen, or Jeff Stiff. I think of Jeff Stiff, a covenant partner here at Third, who retired from a successful business career and then sensed the nudging of the spirit to serve in a leadership role in ICM, which he is doing to this day. There are many that are in our booklets that I do not mention or that I won't mention their names here. And that's the, the reason being is that several of the missions partners that we have that are not listed in our booklets are serving in areas that are called either creative access or you may have heard them referred to as closed countries. Areas where it is not safe for them to publicize that they are sharing the gospel yet they are putting their lives on the line in many ways to share what they are so passionate about with those around the globe. The third theme that I see is simply a matter of geography. Now, the church's ministry begins in Jerusalem and Judea and moves through Samaria to Rome, which represents the ends of the earth, or better yet, the beginning of the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth or the remaining unreached people groups remain for us, today's church, to reach with the love of Christ. It is estimated that there are over 6,000 unreached people groups today that have no scripture, no church, no access. Estimates vary. So that's approximate. Let's ponder this for a minute. Now, what is the context of our witness? What does the Holy Spirit en enable us to say or to do? 
When the church carries the good news to other people, what does the church do? Is it mostly preaching and church planting? Bible translation and distribution? Or is it feeding the hungry, healing the sick? What about visiting the prisoners or liberating the enslaved? Is it both, both and, all of the above? Luke helps us with this question too. Remember Luke 4, 18 through 19? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the stories that I share about the different missions partners that we support, remember this is an investment that we are making as a congregation. 30% of our income investment. Not many churches give 30%. And I believe that we touch God's heart when we are so generous to give. I think of the Christian Arabic church and I think about their second home, because they still consider this their first home. But the Lord blessed them with a building out in Goochland area. And they knew that they, wouldn't, they would be meeting there on occasion. They would continue to meet here, but they could have special services out there. CAC, Christian Arabic Church, has been a welcoming place for those who are trying to um, leave a disruptive environment, trying to come to safety in a new place. They have been a haven for people. And now, ironically, they are, have such international flavor. The church where, that they have out in Goochland, a Russian congregation happened to befriend them and did a bunch of work for them. And now that church is meeting in the Christian Arabic churches building, just like the Christian Arabic church is meeting in our building. And they're doing Thanksgiving together and life together, as we are hoping to do more and more with CAC as well. A little summary of missionary concerns is holistic, isn't it? Preaching good news, freedom for captives, healing for the sick, justice for the oppressed, when we bear witness to Jesus Christ, we serve as ambassadors for the Lord and for his priorities. He cares about persons, bodies and souls, individuals and families and communities. God has the whole world in his hands. Injustice, oppression, pollution, waste, greed, Mission is about the good news and about the kingdom work of righting wrongs and seeking the peace of the city. The, the Lausanne movement has captured this in their slogan, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Other examples of investment that we make as a church corporately. I think of Steve and Janice Quackenbush, who have been serving with SIL for many years, doing Bible translation. 
It's from 1984 to 2004, they were serving in the Philippines and they um, helped on a, on a team of people putting together a translation, Agutean, um, and helped to be, not only to begin, but to complete this translation in the New Testament in that language. While they were there, Janice had several educational roles. She homeschooled their children, and later she served as an educational therapist for children with learning disabilities. Steve's current title is Global Service Access Director with SIL. One of Steve's current areas of focus is helping mission agencies and others understand and respond to the ways that multilingualism and migration impact patterns of language use in general and effective engagement strategies. We just had Steve with us a little while ago and shared and he'll be coming back, I believe, in the fall of 2019. What a story to hear about how the gospel is being spread throughout the world through Bible translation. When he does come, I encourage you to come and hear more. Let's go back and underline the fact that Jesus' words are a promise. It is a promise, not a command. It is a promise of a gift, an action of pure grace. When someone gives you a gift, what do you say? What do we teach our little ones to say? If someone gives them something, we say, now what do you say? Right. Do you thank God for the gift of the Spirit? Do you thank him for the opportunity and the enabling to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Might our gratitude spur us to seek opportunities to be witnesses? Do you know that saying? It's on the, the cover of your um, bulletin from St. Francis. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Show the gospel and tell the gospel. Share it with those who have never heard and never seen that God is good and loves the world so much that he sent his only son. For application, I see two points in summary. The first is to invest in witness. As a congregation, you have a privilege and an opportunity to do what the church in Antioch did. You, we, need to support and encourage people like Saul and Barnabas, whom the Lord sets apart for cross-cultural witness. Many, like many of the people I just referred to that are our missions partners and those who I didn't have time to refer to. Especially, we ought to be alert to do so in strategic times and places. All of us can pray and give. We all can invest in witnesses. The second point is involve yourself in witness as God gives you opportunities. Can you believe that God wants to use you on his team of witnesses? You are part of the corporate, corporate witness of this congregation. Your gift is needed. Your part in telling the story is necessary. Peter does not give us an imperative in one of his letters. Does give us an imperative. I've said that twice wrong. Peter does give us an imperative in one of his letters. Do you recall this one? 
always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. Most of the preaching recorded in the book of Acts, by the way, were answers to questions. The powerful story of the risen Savior and the reality of his spirit let loose in the world through Jesus' followers prompted men and women to ask, what is this new reality? Peter reminds us to count ourselves ready to answer such questions. However, according to the New Testament, people need help to be witnesses. They need help to testify. You need power to be a witness for the Lord. And in order to receive power, the Holy Spirit must come upon you. Then you will be a witness. Then you will be a part of a team of witnesses whose testimony will extend to the ends of the earth. You are not alone. So do not be anxious about what you will say. Jesus says the Spirit will tell you what to say. Want to open your eyes to more of what God is doing around in our community and in our world? Take some of those two booklets that I mentioned earlier, the local and global booklet. Sign up to, be, to receive the prayer letters of some of our missions partners. Come out to some of the luncheons or the opportunities that we have to hear more about what they're doing. And then, like last week when we had Tiant Williams here with Young Life, get involved. Do something. You might think, oh, my life is so busy right now, I can't fit another thing in there. I bet you that God will expand your time if you commit to engaging with others in witness. I also want to mention to you, you have probably several options for Advent devotionals, but I want to draw your attention to this one. You can find it in various places on campus. Grab one of these. This is put out by Frontier Fellowship. We have two missionaries that we support through Frontier Fellowship. One is Richard Haney, and the other is Donald Marsdam. There are some wonderful entries in here each day that will open your eyes to what's going on around the world and help you know a little bit more how to pray effectively for situations and circumstances that are going on today. In closing, Jesus answers the disciples' questions with a promise, a promise of witness. Remember, the question is about the kingdom. The promise is about that which is a foretaste, the first fruits, the Erebon of the kingdom, namely the gift of the Spirit. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, that is our parish. That is our calling, our opportunity, our arena for the privilege of being witnesses. And in some places, the ends of the earth have come here, reverse migration, diaspora peoples, here on our doorstep, and we have the spirit and the power and the good news. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's with grateful hearts that we thank you for the promise of the witness for the promise of being empowered by the Spirit to witness the good news, the great news. 
We ask, Lord, that you would use each one of us in our communities, in our neighborhoods, that we would invest in those, Father, who are traveling abroad to be witnesses through prayer, through giving, through support. We thank you, God, for the gift that you have given us. It's with grateful hearts we receive it. In Christ's name, amen.